welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as they discuss the journey they've had with their own voice, as well as light bulb moments, stories, and personal wisdoms. Vocal Freedom is a bi-weekly podcast raising awareness about vocal health and well-being from members of the voice community. I'll be speaking with professional singers, actors, choir directors, voice teachers, voice disorder experts, singing voice specialists, touring singers, and other experts. Tom Burke is a voice coach for Hollywood actors and Broadway singers, strategic storytelling coach for Google execs and TED speakers, speech language pathologist, a still mentor and course instructor, and co-owner of Burkestone Estate in Hudson, New York, a destination for thought leaders to escape the noise, get clear about their big ideas, and leave inspired with words designed to change the world. I've known of Tom Beck since sometime during 2011. I think it was towards the end of 2011. And uh, it was when I was really at the beginning of deciding to become a full-time voice teacher. So I'd, I'd been dabbling in teaching um, as, a, as a singer for a couple of years by this point. And it was the following year, 2012, when I um, established my company. Now, Tom's uh, instructionals on YouTube, I subscribed to back in 2011. And I just connected through, you know, watching his videos and, and you could see how genuine he was and how his knowledge was obviously backed up with scientific knowledge you know you know at the time there were a few YouTube gurus about teaching singing online who I kind of didn't connect with at all because it was still too vague Tom's really straightforward and he knows his stuff so you feel safe in his hands and this is obviously you know the foundation of his success as a as a vocal coach and has kept him going all these years you know yeah so I I I'm uh, I'm a fan and also, you know, a fellow voice teacher. Um, it wasn't until about, think, I think it was 2014 when I heard my, um, my mentor mention his name that I realised, um, oh, okay. So I didn't actually realise, even though I'd seen him online for several years, that he was also a trained teacher in the Still Voice Training model. And uh, my mentor trained with him um, many years earlier in America. So it was also then that the, it became like, ah, okay, well, we speak the same language, but Tom's uh, background is very different to mine. So I came to teaching as a singer. So his background was um, performing arts, and then he went into um, speech pathology uh, for his undergrad. So yeah, he'll, he'll talk about his journey, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy that. And at the end of the show, I'll, I'll give you some more information about how you can get in touch with him. I describe you, Tom, as the legend, Tom Burke, or the legendary, because of the sort of way of... No I felt I knew you across the screen. I've always enjoyed your presentation videos. And, I, and obviously, once I then understood that you were in the still community as well, um, we, I've been fortunate enough to meet you when you came to the UK last year. And I, I really enjoyed your, the two days that we spent and uh, your alien farm, you know, your, your tube shapes. It, it's a really... It's a really clever and straight to the straight to the point way of actually really helping people with their voice issues, I think. So thank you for your work because it's 
Brilliant. Now, okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, my first question to you is: How would you describe your journey with your voice? My journey with my voice. Yes, I would say uh, it started with with the piano. I would say so. I um, I started playing piano when I was five. I think it was. I remember. I think I learned to read music before I learned to read. Oh wow! That's early. I don't remember not playing the piano. I remember when it first started, but I don't remember much before then. And over the years, for some reason, I was always a, I think I was an emerging entrepreneur when I was in grammar school. I remember looking in the newspaper or the, I think it was the, yeah, I guess it was the newspaper, looking for performing arts schools. I don't have no idea what turned me on to that though, because I must've been in fifth grade, like 10. Yeah. And I, I knew that I wanted to do some shows. So I found the Carol Meso dance studio in Hackensack, New Jersey. <laughs> nice. And, and I, and it was a sort of like dance and theater voice training program. And I quickly, quickly learned that the, the dance was not going to be in my future. Oh really? But, <laughs> but I did like the musical theater side of that. And so I wanted to go further into that and I discovered another performing arts center called Act Two Performing Arts Center in high school because we didn't really necessarily have a robust music program at any of the schools I went to. So these were definitely like after school extracurricular things. Yeah. And I, uh, so I, I wanted, I loved Broadway shows, that that's kind of where it started. My parents were always very supportive, but I think they had the bias that you can learn to play the piano, but you can't learn to sing. Like that's what people, some people just have. Yes. Have a voice. Like you actually can't learn to sing. And I was defiant of this idea, even as a young person. So I found a voice teacher and I don't remember how I actually convinced my parents to let me have a lesson, but cause it was rather expensive. I think even, even back then, so like 30 years ago, yeah, uh, it was 50 bucks an hour. Wow. And so, yeah, so 30 years ago, I think that was like astronomical. But I think my mom paid for like an initial lesson. And I somehow finagled a deal with this teacher to play the piano for her students. And at the end of the week, I could either get a $50 check or I could get a voice lesson. And so what was so cool is I learned, you know, I was 12 or 13 years old and I was an accompanist for this studio. So I get to learn by watching her name is Leslie Giamanco, uh, and a lovely woman that I got to watch and then also got to study with very early on. And I did learn that you can learn to sing. So um, flash forward, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how I reconnected with Leslie many years later, which was, which was funny. Okay. But um, so Leslie was my first voice teacher. And then at the Performing Arts Center, uh, lots of the kids were taking lessons with Mrs. Freund. Anna Dalby Freund was her name. And she was a speech pathologist and a voice teacher. And she taught at university. And she also worked with corporate folks in the city, in New York City. And I just thought she was the coolest. And uh, she was in her 70s probably when I studied with her. And she was very much a youthful figure. And she said that like the secret to her success, I think, was two martinis. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> She's the one who kind of inspired me with, with the speech pathology and vocal connection. Mm. And I love the eclectic nature of her 
work. So in high school, you know, I really, I, I gained a lot. I, I, I noticed my voice took off from working with her. But that's kind of where I got the idea for speech pathology. So I think my relationship with my voice mm. was always paired with something, either yes. the piano and accompanying or speech pathology. It was never a means to an end itself. I never really had the intention of being a singer. Yeah, I can relate to that a little bit, actually. I mean, when I, I mean, I have been a singer, but I was never chasing the dream, if you like. I just, I actually physically enjoy the process of of releasing, you know, sound and entertaining people, but it was never anything that I want. I wanted it to be a job, but not, you know, a famous career or anything like that. I don't, it's not, it's never been about that for me. So yeah, I can I think that the population of us people that I would just call sound makers, like they have no interest in performing. They just like (laughs) to make crazy sounds and like figure out, (laughs) I liked the, I liked the sound. I definitely liked the sound making and I loved being, um, at the table with artists. Yes. I, I never needed to be um, at the front of the line in that way. And I think, but I think my performance side comes out in my teaching. Yes. I, I, get, could... I get my theater vibes out. I feel like I'm on stage when I'm, you know, teaching. Same. I think yeah. that, yeah, I completely relate to that. That That's, um, that's how I feel. It is, you know, every course you deliver is a presentation, is a performance and, and you have to, um, keep the room together and in a way yeah. it's it's a crazy kind of stand-up <laughs> i call it i call it edutainment edutainment no. yeah that's really cool no. I love it's that. like you're it's you know of course you're you're trying to be a solid uh impart solid pedagogy but you're also yeah. putting on a good show Absolutely. i think that's what makes it memorable and fun and engaging and that's how people learn in yeah completely relate so is there anything you, you wish you'd learned sooner? This sounds like you had quite a, a, a nice track of, of learning as you were growing up and into your youth and into your 20s. And is there anything that you, you learned later that you wish you'd known sooner? Uh, yeah, I think I didn't, I could never put my finger on acting. And I wish I had had uh, more solid instruction in that way. Mm. I think because the voice, it's all a mystery, right? But the, the voice was, is easier to demystify maybe because you can really get into the anatomy and physiology. But I think I didn't, I never understood um, acting in the way I understand it now or storytelling in the way I understand it now. And even, of course, I'm still on a journey, but I think it took a while to figure out what it was. And it really came from, backing up and realizing like, well, what is a story? Like, forget about acting for a sec, but like, let's talk about what is a story. I mean, before that, what, what is human communication? Like, let's start there. Yeah. I think like acting was always very mysterious to me. And that, that did frustrate me that I felt like I couldn't, um, the presence and the playfulness and the, and the improv that I could bring as a teacher, I couldn't figure out how to do as an actor or as a storyteller another way. It felt like two separate people. I remember wanting to be like, why can't I uh, be the person I am as a teacher in this acting realm? That's so I wish I had figured that out earlier because I think that would have opened up some more opportunities for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's very interesting. So um, I'm going to go, go with that instead of to my next question, actually, because that's kind of led me in, down a slightly different road. But I'd be interested just to ask you, as an aside, if you see 
your future career, do you feel like you might have more of a on-stage role or you do you feel very settled in the way that you use your voice now as a communicator, teacher, educator? That's a good question. I feel unsettled in a good way, I would say. Um, for many years, I would say, okay, I, when I can afford to be an artist, I, I will do all these things, you know? Yeah. So, oh, like, you know, when, when I get figured, figured out this aspect of the business, then I'll do it. My intention, when I, I left my job as a speech pathologist in a hospital to move to New York City, my intention was to do speech pathology on the side while I did figure out this um, acting side of things. Mm. Not, not, I never wanted to be, like, like I said, a professional singer, but I, I thought I wanted to still be a Broadway performer. But then... Um, at least the story I tell myself is that the, the business side of the, my career took off faster than the performing artist side. Mm-hmm. I just more, more readily slipped into the teaching and voice therapy mode. Yeah. So I think going forward, I think I have kind of run out of excuses for not pursuing my <laughs> artistic life. <laughs> As we find ourselves in the middle of this pandemic, I mean... As an aside, yeah. I mean, how are you spending your, your time at the moment? Are you still really busy? Yeah, I think what I love about this phase of my life is, is it's rather eclectic. Mm. And I do enjoy on-camera work. Uh, so I feel like I, I feel very much at home in that. So I would love to do more film and, and like film and TV stuff. Yeah. That feels like the new place. But I think my life is very eclectic right now in terms of uh, my partner and I own a retreat center up in the Hudson Valley. It's also a small wedding venue. So that's like, that's one whole arm of the business Yeah, and, and working with my corporate folks or folks working on their Ted talks or singers and actors and fellow voice teachers and helping them grow their businesses. So I, I like a little bit of, I like a diversified portfolio, I would say. Yeah, I can relate. I, I you know, what it's, it really is, um, uncanny to me how many um, voice teachers, uh, well, not just voice teachers, actually, the people that I'm spending time interested in learning about, um, I really feel like we're, we're kind of connected already in the way that we're working and the way that we're helping people and providing this, what feels really now as an essential human service to yeah. especially now take people out of the, the, the fight or flight panic mode that everybody's kind of, not everybody, but a lot of people are finding themselves in if they're quarantined at home and they can't do anything um i'm trying to get them online and get them singing because it's a great way of you know releasing and and uh, distracting and um doing something to make your body feel good right absolutely and i, I you know i've been an advocate of the online teaching for yeah quite a while now. and i think there was strong resistance to that on all fronts and um it's funny now when i see people my some of my former colleagues or, or uh clients who are so resistant to the idea, now totally embracing it and loving with it. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of a delicious I told you so. Yes. That happens right now. <laughs> you've been, no, you've I, been online how long? I would say at least eight years. Yeah. If not more. You know, I know that um, I went fully online at, at like seven years ago, but yeah. I, was dab- I was dabbling before then. The technology wasn't what it is now, so it was like harder to do. Mm. Uh, but I think that uh, now you can do a lot of things that we've been wanting to do. There's still, there's still clunky things. I think that's the other thing, too, is that um, I see people trying to make 
online be the video version of an in-person lesson. And I think that's where the, the, the angst is because it's just a different art form. It's mm. just not, it's, it's not just an in-person lesson on video. You know, it's a separate way of engaging with each other, which I think can be equally as effective and also even more efficient. It can be more fun. You can actually see people more often. I mean, I could talk about online teaching yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, you were definitely onto a winner before, um, before I got there, but it was just weird for me how I was on my way there uh, for September when this hit and I just went... I think I'm going to do it now. I think I'm going to, you know, just, just yeah. advance because there was never a better time and it wouldn't have made sense for me to stay because I've changed names and everything as well and websites and things. If I'd have stayed where I was and then changed for summer term, I would have still had to have changed everything again uh, yeah. come September. So I really just went, well, I'm just, if I, if I do it now, I'll save work later and I don't need sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs sleep? Sleep's for weak people. <laughs> right. So uh, here's another question for you. Sure. What have you found most valuable in caring for your voice? Most valuable, I would say, is uh, weightlifting. Okay. And Alexander Technique, probably. So I think that uh, in developing the sensory awareness and... Oh, doing like a, some high intensity things under potential risk and learning how to be technically really dialed in. I think some that's been most useful because for some reason I learn, I almost learn things. Um, if I go away from the primary thing and I go learn in another environment, when I come back to the thing, new insights have come out of that. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense to me. So it's like, I, I think I figured out some vocal things because I learned how to more effectively deadlift or squat or do yoga. Like it, it just increases your full body. Yeah. Somatic awareness. Exactly. So you can then dial in things more specifically. And um, I think the holistic nature, you know, of weightlifting or powerlifting is you can't do anything in isolation. It's like, it's always full body movement. And then, so if you take that same essence in the context of singing, like it's always a full body movement. Mm. I think that's what's helped, helped me. And, and then also is helping communicate with my clients more effectively. That's a fantastic insight. I mean, um, this is something I don't know much about because weightlifting is not an area I've gone down. <laughs> However, um, my mother... Uh, was a um, bodybuilder in the 19 really? yes in the 1980s um, she joined um, her sister opened a gym in a village where <laughs> I grew up in the countryside mm -hmm. and uh, they opened a gym and she trained and she did competitions and she got to be senior Miss Britain in 19 wow. in 1988 as a natural bodybuilder but yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. I was like 10 and my mum was in her 40s. She'd had four children and she was in a bikini on stage wow. strutting her stuff. 
um, kind of inspiring me, but kind of like a little bit embarrassing at the same time. Sure. <laughs> sure. Like, that's my mum in the paper. As a little yeah. one. Looking <laughs> yeah. at your mum and be like, what are you doing? Yeah, my mum was always in the local press doing something in a bikini. So you can imagine <laughs> that's probably why I have my body issues. <laughs> she sounds like a good rebel, like probably what she was doing back then. Well, you know, now I think that's very much more commonplace. Yes, yeah. It was very different. But she would have been a, she would have been she would have been a uh, Instagram influencer. Do you know what? Yes, I mean she she and she got the title Supergran, and I don't know if the if the it probably never made its way to America. But you know the actor Billy Connolly, he's a yeah. Scottish actor, but he's also he's a very well known actor. He had this uh, song called Supergran that mm. was the theme tune for this. Um, I don't even remember the series. It was on when I was like ten but a six-part series of this super gran who, who had powers like Superman, but she was a gran. Yeah. And this uh, the music to that was the routine that my mum did her routine to. That was the music. Oh, so, funny. <laughs> so because she was a grandmother by then, I have a sister who's um, uh, 10 years older than me and she'd had her first baby and uh, oh, wow. she was a gran, at, you know, achieving this stuff. So, yeah, sorry, you've really just brought me back to that memory of my mum being a bodybuilder. But I can, I can appreciate actually what you said about deadlifting, about the full body the balance of, of, of every, getting everything in line uh, to be able to do that effectively. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, physical efficiency. Um, yeah. I think that because support was always the most confusing thing. I kind of yeah. took to resonance strategies. I loved diction tricks. I loved uh, vocal ease, mm. but in terms of like vocal power, uh, I think support was always very confusing to me. And I think I got lots of conflicting views and strategies it never made any sense to me until i just almost like uh made the connection between yeah powerlifting and singing it's like oh that's support it's not just localized to one area it's this mm. systemic full body engaged experience which is the extra knowledge which you know informs your teaching and also um I think we we we're both on the same page of getting irritated sometimes a little irritated with people who assume that a still voice training is this method technique that oh you have to anchor on or off for certain qualities and it, and we of course we're saying it's not that simple <laughs> it's a right. starting point it's a way of of helping educate people to be aware of of their of their tensions and things and things they might be adding or whatever so yeah i mean doesn't that get your goat sometimes <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think that there's so many misconceptions about Estelle that yeah. it just get, unnecessarily gets a bad rap. And I think it's because uh, people are hearing slices of things. And yeah. it's just not how I, I view it at all. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a way of thinking of and just deconstructing the sounds you're hearing into, into parts. Absolutely. And very yeah. helpful. Very, very just helpful and uh yeah, it certainly certainly works for me and my 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 uh, clients as well. So here's another question for you. Hey, what does your voice mean to you? These are good questions. <laughs> what does my <laughs> voice mean to me? Mm. Um, I would say, at the risk of being like overly uh, poetic or sentimental, I would say it's an invitation to explore authenticity and like identifying who I really am in that way. 
I don't, because I often think, think of, you know, if I took this body and I grew up in Ireland, I would be, I would speak differently. I would sing differently. It's like, so this, this same tube that is conditioned to speak in the dialect of my ancestors, well, then you move that same body to Jersey, New Jersey, in the States, I was conditioned to use this tube in a different way. So it's like, well, what's the me part and what's the conditioning part? Mm. And so with every, so what does that mean when you've been reinforced to have a, as we were joking before, have a twangier voice, that voice goes with, well, a a brighter sound means a perkier sound and a perkier sound means friendlier or more, more enthusiastic. And so like, is that really me or is that just the sounds I've been given and, and the stories that come with it? So I, I, I kind of like, that's what I would say my voice means to me in that way. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a it's an unusual question and it's going to bring a different kind of answer, I think, to everyone who, who answers it because yeah. it, it depends how you feel about yourself and, and how you, you view... I mean, you know, I'm not asking how important your voice is. I think your voice is important in our voice community and uh, what you do with it is is valuable. Um, but that what it means to you yourself... Not necessarily yeah. the sound of your voice, but I suppose the, your voice is a, a tool, how you're using yeah. it to help shape the world. I always have this, I sometimes have this image of being like, there's a little person underneath the vocal folds and they're like blowing an instrument. <laughs> and it's like, that's, you know, like almost like a trumpet, but they live, like the real me lives underneath my vocal folds. Oh, which wow. I think when people talk about, you know, um, I don't necessarily perceive it this way, but like this idea of like, um, you are nothing but the breath. I kind of understand the essence of that. That like, okay, well, so that's the image I have. I know it sounds crazy, but like, <laughs> I picture like, what if that's the real me underneath the vocal folds, and I'm just blowing into an instrument that yeah, is like a cultural. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of all right. That's that's almost thinking about what your soul is. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's you, hard. And to you describe. can tell, I guess, with every passing year the more you practice this type of work, you can tell when you're BSing yourself and everyone else. Like you can tell when you're not lined up yeah. between your breath and your real authentic expression. Hence the vocal freedom podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really that that's the bit that interests me is, it's those moments, which in my career as you know, when I was singing, I was a singer in a function band. So I used to do corporate, wed- you know, wedding gigs and, and pub gigs and, uh, and that sort of thing. And I, and I loved the process and I loved my band. We, we had a great, we kept the dance floor busy. It was, it was a yeah. fun night, you know, weddings were my favorite. And, um, yeah, the, mo- the vocal freedom, the moments when, um, I'm not thinking about whether the guitarist is going to remember the cue or, or what that lady's wearing. I'm, I'm in the moment of the truth of the song I'm singing yeah. and it feels free and it feels authentic and communicative and honest. And those mm-hmm. moments of truth I, are what I personally call vocal freedom, where you're lost in the moment of using your voice and it feels great. Um, but for I think me, moments yeah. of truth, that's a very, that's a, beautiful way of saying it. I think that's the connection point between everything is like mm. whether it's um, I call them magic words, which is uh, finding the place where someone is singing myself or a client uh, or where, where it is in their Ted talk or their corporate keynote is like, where do you really get the essence of that person? And it might be slide eight 
paragraph two, line one, you're like, oh, wait, that's, I get you now. And the other parts are distracting from this authentic message that we've found here. And the same way when you, when you like uh, experience a singer and they have that magical moment, you're like, you actually can feel them and sense them. Mm. And then you can tell when they're not exactly in that pocket, they're leaning into the comedy too much or they're over-sentimentalizing or they're, they're not telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, yeah, that's the BSing a little bit. Maybe you're, you're yeah. a little bit too much on autopilot. You're not actually, you know, in that moment. Um, yes, in the moment which is, of truth. Yeah, in the moment that's of your, truth. That's your book title. That's that's my book title, Moment of Truth. There we go. Never know. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast, get the book. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. In the yeah. moment of truth. And actually, I, I'm getting a, a recollection now. So like I said, I, I first came across you, Tom, when um, I started um, – tentatively teaching on the side um, as a singer who had had some voice teach, you know, lessons when I was growing up and I'd been to drama school and I trained as a, as a singer actor. And then I'd become a jobbing singer for the best part of a decade before I started teaching. And of course, when you start teaching, you just kind of teach the way you were taught and mm-hmm. you pass on the bits that were useful and, and you, you find your own way. But then when I started actually going into like, okay, I really need to learn my stuff if I'm going to take this seriously um, I started going onto YouTube to just find some cool teachers to follow and, and get some tips from. And I was just lucky enough to just find you one day. And I'm pretty sure it was 2011. And it was the following year that I opened my voice studio in 2012. And like I said, I didn't realize that you were um, still at the time. And then various teachers who we know in common have obviously all spoken really well of you over the years. Yeah. So in 2015, I was going, I was coming to New York for the very first time. And I sent you an email and I said, I'm coming to New York, Tom, is there any chance you can see me? I'm only going to be here for a week. It's my 40th birthday. It would make my dreams come true if I could have a voice lesson with you. And I never heard anything back. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, I know it's funny because I keep every email. Okay. There, so I'll have to look back. I think it might have been a Facebook message or something. But I think 2015. I'm, yeah, it was 2015. I may have, it may, I may oh, even. You know what? I think probably also why it's because I probably wasn't even in, in New York City at that time. Yeah, I, I had started, that was definitely full on the full online yeah point, i think the broadway box thing had started and maybe yeah, I, voice box, yeah. yeah that's it i may have uh, emailed you through that but it's fine it's fine i, I got over it because i got to meet you last year and i loved our little 10 minute sesh where we were doing the aliens um voice prompt words for one line of dream girls do you remember doing this with yes, me last I year do. yeah and uh, yeah. it was it was really really good fun. So um, yeah, I'd like to do something yeah, like that. With well, you I always tell out. people it's funny. Um, uh, I always give everyone permission to bump emails, which I would say, oh no, because just, just bump that up. Because yeah, um, my mother gets nuts because I don't also. I never. Um, I always have a full voicemail, mm. and I, I cannot handle the phone. So. She, so uh i so it's okay to text me and bump, I'll, I'll i'll check in so yeah that's all right not, I, I, I didn't i didn't mean to tell you that story to tell you off i was just like mentioning it because uh i was trying to say it's been a while coming for me to actually have met you and and uh, let you know how much i appreciate your work so i'm very thankful thank you so here's a question then well this is kind of like a twofold okay so what i'd like to ask you now and what i'd like our listeners to to know from you tom is what voices inspire you and who 
could you never tire of listening to? Okay. Uh, I can never tire. Uh, I, tend to, I tend to be drawn to female singers. So, for whatever reason. And I could never tire. Oh, well, you know, okay, I have a talent crush on Jesse J. Aha. I have a major talent crush on Jesse J. Okay, yeah. She's a flexible <laughs> creature, isn't she? Yes, I, I think she is authentic. Yeah. She's got great diction. I call her a shapeshifter. Yeah. And I think what, what I kind of appreciate that she brings her process to her work. Mm-hmm. And she's just real. Uh, you know, she was, she was doing an Instagram Live. And it, the Wi-Fi was totally conking out. And a million people were watching. And oh she's my. like, I'm sorry, guys. Let me just reset. The, I think I think uh, there's too much, too many phones on in my house. Let me just reset this, like in the middle of her concert. And I just love just the humanity. You, you can just tell when yeah. someone's just not in their own way. Yeah. Or if they are, they're transparent about it. So I, um, I think that's why I enjoy listening to her. I just think her voice is cool. Um, I could also never tire of I do I, I of like '80s rock music. I love it. I love an 80s band. I do love Steve Perry's voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he was probably one of the, one of the best singers ever. I, we used to do Don't Stop Believing at the end of pretty much every gig because my guitarist yeah. was like a Journey tribute guitarist. <laughs> so he could play all the solos brilliantly. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what a great – yeah, he's got a great – he had a great set of pipes. I don't know what he's doing these days. It was days. storing, yeah. you know. So I think that's – and it was still cool. Mm. So and it, um, and it felt like natural. So I think that that's what voice. But it's a good question. Like, who could I never tire of? Yeah. Oh, I mean, but also, I I'm not necessarily always impressed with like big sounds. I mean, who doesn't love Ella Fitzgerald? You know, in mm. terms of I love the what I love about Ella Fitzgerald is it always felt like whenever you listen to her, it feels like you are listening to a private moment amongst friends. I always feel like they were just hanging out in the living room yeah. and they let somebody record them. That's what I love about the playfulness or the, it's not about the how big or how loud or how agile or how, mm. it's more like how real. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that. Actually, I love Ella Fitzgerald and the way that you, um, well, the, you know, the, the different colors of her voice and, and how it seemed so seamless um, to move through it. I would say one of the performances that moved me the most was Carmen Cusack in uh, Bright Star. I just thought the way she transformed herself over the course of the show, acting-wise and vocally, and the the humanity, again, that she brought to her singing was something to aspire to. That's lovely. So the goosebump moments. Yes. I can, you know, it's, it's like when you like can still remember something mm. uh, like, or like you're still like I can feel it right now kind of what that what that felt like to to experience to experience that it's almost like you never want it's almost like you never want to watch it again yeah uh, because you just don't want to that moment is a, a photograph yeah yeah he's she's a pretty incredible actress and singer in that way I'm going, definitely going to uh, link our listeners to that uh yeah. that performance so that people can see so that would you describe that was a you know a moment of focal freedom you think for that artist at the time or was it? I would say it was a moment of alignment. Ah. I don't even know if it was necessarily the freest the freest sound, but mm. it was the most 
it had the convergence of uh, technique, storytelling, and that third thing, the the magic. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I you know I think com- comes back full circle to what we're talking about with Estel. Is uh, Estel gets you know um, grouped in with craft or technique, but really it's the craft and the artistry and the magic, mm-hmm. right? So when you hear all three in a moment, you're like, oh yes, this is what it's supposed to be. People want the magic. They can forgive a lot of uh, technical stuff. This is very true. I was about to say to you, I felt that um, in listening to your uh, the, the the first two people you named, Jesse J and Steve Perry, were they both for me take their voice on the edge sometimes, yeah. um, but they can control it so well that you don't feel like it's risky. It doesn't kind of like raise your teacher or therapy kind of heckles of, ah, no, that's not a place you want to play. No. You kind of trust them to maneuver their way back and forth and it be free and it be safe. Um, obviously if they're not sick or anything, but they both, you know, in, in their heyday or in their big moments, you've, you felt sort of safe even watching them be a bit edgy. Yeah. I think our ear doesn't want reckless, mm. our, but our ear does want like good, scary. Yes. Like it, like if, cause yes, we want, I don't know if we want to experience something that's effortless. I think we want, we want the dramatic tension. Mm. You know, you want the moment before the triple Lutz in, at the Olympics with the figure skater, mm. it's like moment before they take off and the landing in the same way. Like you, we love the moments before the high notes and when it just flies out so easily, uh, I don't know. It's not the same as like, ooh, they almost missed it there, but they, they caught it. Yeah, yeah. No. I can get that. That's fantastic. No, like, yeah. So it's a, it's a balance of – so vocal freedom, I think, has to first come from like the freedom of expression first and the connection to the text – because I've heard lots of not free singing that was still pr- profoundly moving. And it's mm. funny, like, I think that's the biggest shift I've had as a teacher is like, yes, technique, but who cares unless you're being real. Yeah. And so, that, so the freedom should first come with like the, the willingness to authentically line up with the words. And if the audience can really smell how real you are, they forgive a lot of, mm scratches and flips definitely i think it's what takes me takes me back to that sense of um yeah i wouldn't necessarily say when i say vocal freedom i'm not thinking of the pure sound of a voice and that it's the freest in in that pure that's just the sound it's more i think about that artist like you say that alignment of connecting with the text and and it feeling like that's the first time it's been sung and that it's being sung with truth. Yes. And so for, I, I'm thinking if you're the artist in that moment, you've got vocal freedom because you're using your voice to tell that story, but not with that sort of, um, it's, it's become, you've become more of a conduit or you're channeling the story of the song rather than, uh, I don't know, is the song singing you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. being, yeah. I think I've heard people say this, the experience of being sung, mm. which I love that. Yeah. Like, I love that too. I love yeah. that idea. And I think because I, when I think about it, I can only fleetingly think of a few moments where I've really felt that in my own performance over the years when I was out gigging. Um, so what, I mean, could you think of a memory maybe that where you felt the stars align and the voice came out and it all felt great and, 
you you push some boundaries maybe it's a good question i think i uh i think i've experienced that in my teaching and that's why i think has always been part of my quest is like how do i line that up uh in as an artist mm. so I, I do remember a moment teaching in barcelona and i speak very rudimentary spanish um, but there was a moment at the end of the workshop and as I was doing the synthesis, I don't know how to describe the sensation, but like we had really formed a great bond with, and this group was so psychologically supportive of each other. And I was like, you know, it's so great. And I swear I spoke in like tongues or something. I, it, there was a moment where like, I don't know what I said, but I think they heard it in Spanish. Wow. And I think, and I don't know what I was speaking. And I, and I remember everyone, we were all experienced at the moment. We're like that something lined up. We're like, I don't know. I honestly don't know what language I was speaking, but they, I think I was speaking Spanish and they heard it. In fact, oh, who knows? Wow. But that was the first, I, I've never felt that again where uh, it was like an advanced flow state. I felt that sense of alignment and flow in my teaching. Mm. Um. Once in a while, I, I did, yeah, I would say that's what I'm, I'm still looking for. <laughs> you know? Aren't we all lovely? Aren't we all lovely? <laughs> so uh, do you do any accent work in terms of um, with your clients and how do you feel? I mean, I'm terrible at that stuff. Are you? Okay. I've always referred out for that, yes. Ah. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. You know, I think I had, uh, for a long time, I think I had kind of a bad ear. Oh. And, Ear training because music was always so visual for me, and I and I actually um, see sounds. I don't necessarily hear them. Uh huh. You know, weird. It's almost like a synesthesia in that way. Whereas, like sound, go becomes a very like rich visual thing in my head. So tuning into sound really clearly like that, I think, was is required for some of those nuances. Of language, I think that's kind of why I shied away from a formal vocal degree because I was concerned about singing different language, languages or mm. deep dive in the IPA, the International Phonetic Alphabet. I, I, um, I think I shied away from that. So, but I did. Um, I do. You know, character voices. I know. And, I've heard. That is why I'm surprised by this answer. <laughs> yeah, because for me, the character voices are a picture. Yeah, they're like I can picture the shape of the vocal tract. And embody the the character. It's not that I'm like imitating a sound. I'm like not, actually not a good imitator. That's really that's really cool. Do you know what this is weird? Because you were saying about my what did you name my book earlier? I was like, I'm going to keep that in the moment of in truth. In the moment of truth, because um, one of the things I would love to do um, is I see voices as little cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. And can visualize them, and I want to work with an with an illustrator and describe the character and have them illustrate it because I'm not good at illustrations. But it's literally, I think, like you, you can almost see um, the little mouse with the thin tube and the little, you know, you know, it's the, you know, that's the Twang Farm. Yeah, all my, my, cat, my infinite cast of characters. You know, there's a scary clown. There are cats and dogs and mice and Vikings. There we and go. Chipmunks and squirrels. I didn't realize you had well, that many. I was, I was like, oh, okay, okay. I didn't there's think a of this. Goose. There's, a, there's a laser cat. There's a dog. Oh, yes. I remember laser cat. I was always good at that one. And <laughs> Lots of aliens. Yes, you know. That's amazing. Yeah, well, maybe we could, you know, 
get a, an illustrator onto that and um, draw some amazing yeah. characters. Did you ever see the the book that Ricky Gervais brought out with these alien character things? I can't. No, I I, I'm going to have to find a link for that. Ricky Gervais did this book, and my children were quite small at the time, so I bought it for them as a a, a funny book. It was, I think, it was marketed for children, but they had these stupid names. Yeah. And it was like the names were um, sort of um, onomatopoeic names, kind of, because of the way they looked. It would be like squelch blob or something. And then the, oh, interesting, yeah. you know, it would look like a squelch blob or whatever, whatever that would look like. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe voice one of those would be really funny. <laughs> so is there um, anything before we wrap up that you would like to promote? Yes, there's actually a free Facebook group that I'm ah, on called the, uh, the Weekly Voice Challenge. Yeah. So every week we do, it's focused on a new technique or a new topic of the week. And so that's um, on Facebook. You can just look for Tom Burke Weekly Voice Challenge. Fantastic. This is the one I joined the week you started it. And I, um, as you do, you. when do I find time for my own practice, Tom? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So, um, but I, that said, the new way of life, the new online way, I'm now, I'm, I've made quite a few things non-negotiable in my day now. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to do a bit more me work, which is about bloody time. <laughs> uh, but that's one of these, one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I was the kid in my room with the radio on, um, wanting to be the DJ, wanting to be on the radio and and interview people that are interesting to talk to um and and put that that out in the world so this is a bit like i get to be a kid again absolutely and i love the idea of creating your own work it's like mm. um you don't have to get you know, wait around to get tapped by someone for a radio show you can start with now the one of the joys of living in modernity is that you get to um there's new ways to be autonomous with these things so you can you can be the little girl who got her radio show yay <laughs> okay excellent I mean, is there any other light bulb moments that you'd love to share with our listeners? Light bulb moments that I'd like to share with the listeners. Uh, I would say it's okay to look back and realize that you didn't do something faster than you wanted to. Like it's you're where you need, you're where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I think that that's maybe that just comes with every every passing year, you know. Uh, that no regrets. Absolutely. Live, live a vocal life of no regrets. That is fantastic advice. We should all take that. It's yeah. great, isn't it? But I do, I'm a true believer. Life takes you where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you, and to change this moment, you'd have to invalidate everything that brought you to here. Yeah. The good, the good and the bad or the perception of, of that binary, you know? So I think uh, just be here now and, Focus on what you want and go vocally get it. Go get it, yeah. Tom provides voice speech training and rehabilitation for singers, actors, TED speakers and thought leaders. He also provides business consulting for performing arts teachers migrating online. The founder of Broadway Voicebox and the voice coach on Bravo TV's In A Man's World. You can learn all about Tom on his website, expressyourgenius.com. And he also has the Tom Burke's Weekly Voice Challenge private group on Facebook, which you can request to join. Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. 
I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom, feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links, and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.